Chapter Nine of the Little Colonel at Boarding School. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Little Colonel at Boarding School by Annie Fellows Johnston. Chapter Nine. One Rainy Afternoon. That same Saturday afternoon, following the Halloween frolic, while Maggie rehearsed the whole affair once more in the cabin, the Shadow Club discussed it at the seminary. They had met early, for Lloyd and Betty had asked permission to make candy in their room, and in order to finish the amount of work they had planned to do at each meeting, it was necessary for them to begin immediately after dinner. It was a dull November day, cloudy and damp and while they were settling themselves to work the rain began to patter against the window-panes how cosy and shut in it makes you feel exclaimed katie looking around on the bright comfortable room we are shut in answered lloyd the clark girls and magnolia have gone home to stay over sunday and we have this whole wing to ourselves nobody can hear us no matter how loud we talk let's put up a sign no admittance busy on the corridor door leading into our hall suggested ida on a rainy afternoon like this when the girls can't get outdoors they're more apt to go visiting and we don't want to be interrupted that's so agreed lloyd hastily scribbling the notice on an envelope she ran out and fastened it on the door with a pin now we're safe she announced on her return and settled herself comfortably among the cushions of the window seat for half an hour their needles and brushes were plied rapidly as they chattered and laughed over the various remarks they had heard about the mysterious halloween guests who they were still remained an unsolved riddle in the school presently ida dropped her embroidery hoops and leaned back in her chair yawning oh i'm in no mood for work of this kind my silks snarl my needle keeps coming unthreaded and i stick myself nearly every time i take a stitch i'm making such a mess of it i'd stop only i don't want to shirk my part when you are all working so faithfully when my embroidery acts this way it makes me so nervous i could scream why don't you do some more burnt work instead suggested katie i'm out of leather the last lot i sent for hasn't come you might read to us while we work suggested betty there's a new saint nicholas on the table yes do insisted allison mother said this morning that she thought it would be a fine plan for us to take up some good book and read it in turn while we work all the girls agreed ida picked up the magazine and began turning the leaves what will you have she asked this scientific article doesn't look very entertaining and this football story wouldn't interest anybody but boys we can't plunge into the middle of this serial without having read the first chapters and judging from the illustrations and the name of the girl's story it is anything but wildly exciting she glanced hastily over the remaining pages and then laid the magazine aside i wonder she said hesitatingly if any of you have ever read a book i have in my room called the fortunes of daisy dale it's the sweetest thing i nearly cried my eyes out over part of it of course it's a novel and some people object to them unless they're by some great writer like thackeray or scott i know my aunt does but i don't see how this could hurt anybody it's about a dear little english girl whose guardian kept her almost like a prisoner so that he could use her money 
she had such a hard time that she ran away and got a place as a governess when she was only sixteen she had all sorts of trouble and misunderstandings but it ends happily all the way through she has such a beautiful influence on young lord rockaby and guy wolvering the squire's son who is so wild that his father threatens to disinherit him it is his love for her that finally reforms him her influence over him is a living illustration of the motto of our club then let's read it proposed allison eagerly oh yes go get it ida called lloyd and kitty in the same breath that is if you don't mind reading it twice yourself added betty no indeed answered ida rising i could read it a dozen times and never tire of it in a moment she was back from her room carrying the book in one hand and dragging a rocking chair behind her with the other she drew it up to one of the windows and pushing the curtains further aside sat down and began to read to the pattering accompaniment of the raindrops on the pane she was a good reader the best in the seminary and her well-modulated voice would have lent a charm to any story but the expression she threw into this made it seem as if she were recounting her own personal troubles she had not read half a chapter before lloyd understood why it seemed so ida was putting herself in daisy dale's place instead of the unjust guardian there was an unreasonable aunt instead of the squire's son eduardo and the stolen meetings and the smuggled letters and the pearl daisy wore in secret recalled the confidences of the night in the orchard and many that had been whispered to her since the shadow club forgot where they were presently they ceased to notice that the cold rain drove faster and faster against the windows they were treading a winding path across a sunny english meadow with daisy and her lover it was june time where they wandered the hawthorn hedges were budding white and even the crevices of the old stone wall flaunted its bloom wherever a cluster of london pride could find a foothold in a little while katie's crochet work slipped into her lap unheeded with chin in hands and elbows on her knees she leaned forward listening with rapt attention betty laid down her embroidery hoops and kitty and allison stopped painting it was a wild stormy night now and they were suffering with daisy as with clasped hands and streaming eyes she turned her back on her old home driven out to seek her own living by her guardian's unbearable tyranny lloyd's cheeks burned redder and redder as the story went on and daisy dale established as governess at cameron hall again met guy wolvering and listened to his vows of deathless devotion she wondered how ida could read on so calmly when some of those scenes had been her own experience she wondered what the girls would say if they knew all that she knew then she wondered how it would feel to be the heroine in such scenes and be the idol of someone's whole existence as daisy dale was of guy wolverine's as ida was of eduardo's oh don't stop begged five eager voices when ida finally laid down the book i must it's nearly dark and my throat is tired do you realize i have been reading all afternoon oh it didn't seem more than five minutes exclaimed katie i never was so interested in anything in my life i am wild to hear the end girls cried allison tragically starting up from her chair i wish you'd look at the clock we haven't made the candy and we've scarcely worked at all this whole afternoon and now it's time to go home but how can we queried kitty it's simply pouring 
look at those windows the rain is coming in torrents we'll have to stay all night laughed katie wouldn't it be fun if we could you can cried lloyd seizing the suggestion eagerly i'm sure that the matron would be willing there's plenty of extra rooms on saturday night there's two right here in this wing all you have to do is to telephone home and ask your mothers i'm sure they'll let you because it's such dreadful weather come on let's go and ask now then we can make the candy before supper and finish the book before bedtime with the pouring rain as an excuse it was easy to obtain the matron's permission for them to stay and she herself telephoned to mrs walton and mrs mallard explaining the situation and assuring them that the girls would be well taken care of both mothers gave consent so thankfully that the matron turned away from the telephone feeling that her hospitable insistence had made these ladies her friends for life and she bustled away well pleased with herself to put fresh sheets on the beds in the empty rooms in the west wing the clark sisters room next to lloyd and betty's had a closet built opposite theirs into the same partition wall in the deep space beside the chimney when both doors were closed no sound penetrated from one room to the other but if either were left ajar any one happening to step into either closet could hear quite distinctly what was said on the other side the matron opening the closet door on her side of the wall to fold away some blankets that she had just taken from the beds heard lloyd on the other side hunting for the bottle of alcohol for the chafing dish then katie's voice came piping through high and shrill wasn't it sweet of mrs bond to telephone herself and insist on our being allowed to stay if i had been at the telephone mamma would have said that she would send the carriage and i needn't get wet and could come home just as well as not but she was willing to accept an invitation from headquarters i'm going to save mrs bond some of my fudge she's just the dearest thing that ever was i shall save her some too said kitty i'd like to give her a good big squeeze for being so kind to us mrs bond stepped out into the room again with a pleased smile on her motherly face as she went downstairs she began revolving a plan in her mind for the evening entertainment of these appreciative little guests which she thought would give them still greater pleasure scarcely had she gone when another listener took her place this time the eavesdropping was intentional Mitty dupong crossing over to the west wing to borrow a magazine from betty saw the sign on the corridor door knowing what such signs usually mean at five o'clock on a saturday afternoon she softly turned the knob and stepped into the narrow hall a delicious smell of boiling candy came floating down toward her from lloyd's room and a peal of laughter in which she distinguished first allison's voice then kitty's and katie's she felt a trifle piqued at being left out of the merry-making i wonder who else is in there she thought slipping on toward the keyhole just as she was about to stoop and peep in a sudden noise inside as of someone coming toward her made her draw back the door into the clark girl's room stood open she darted in and waited breathlessly lloyd was coming out into the hall saying never mind about the lamp chimney i'll get lassies Mitty had barely time to spring into the closet when Lloyd entered, took the lamp from the table, and carried it back to her own room. Crouched down in her dark hiding-place, Mitty discovered that the closet was a far better situation for eavesdropping than the keyhole. 
she could hear every word of the conversation without the risk of being detected evidently the girls were discussing some story that they had been reading and a very sentimental one at that a wicked little gleam of triumph came into Mitty's eyes as she listened for here were lloyd and allison and kitty and katie millard and betty actually teasing each other about the boys they liked best and it hadn't been a week since lloyd had said with a scornful little toss of her head oh Mitty, you make me tired always talking about the boys and the four of them had walked off with their arms round each other as if quite disgusted oh won't i get even with them now for turning up their noses at me exclaimed Mitty to herself as she pressed her ear closer to the thin partition wall that divided the two closets katie's voice came first if i'd been daisy dale i'd have fallen in love with lloyd rockaby instead of the squire's son because he was tall and fair and blue-eyed like charlie downs put in kitty mischievously oh girls look at her blush i'm not blushing protested katie wildly but you can't deny that he's the one insisted kitty even when we were little and used to play lady come to see you always played that you were mrs downs you know you did i don't care pouted katie i don't do it now and anyhow i don't keep an old dead rose and a valentine and a brass button all tied up in a fancy box with blue ribbon the way you do because guy ferris gave them to you now who's blushing katie millard that's something you promised you'd never tell as long as you live cried kitty i didn't think you'd be so mean as to go back on your promise she turned away with such an offended air that katie saw that her teasing had gone farther than she intended she hastened to make amends for she couldn't be happy while there was the slightest misunderstanding between her and her best friend i didn't think you'd care kitty truly i didn't i wouldn't have teased you before the other girls but just here in our own little club it oughtn't to make any difference why i don't mind one bit telling you girls that i like charlie downs better than any boy i know and that i felt glad when my apple parings made his initials every time i threw them over my shoulder on halloween i don't think it's anything to confess that much or to care for things a boy gives you as you do for the valentine and the rose that's a very different matter from talking about the boys as Mitty dupong does about carter brown well i should think so exclaimed lloyd in a tone that made Mitty, on the other side of the wall set her teeth together angrily but Mitty isn't like the girls we've always gone with she's so common she plays kissing games i never had any use for her since carter brown's birthday party when they played pillow and post office every boy in the room kissed her and lolly briggs and all that set of girls that she goes with i couldn't understand it some of them seem so nice flynn willis you know and caddie bailey i wouldn't have thought it of them i think they are all nice girls said betty even Mitty it's just because they've been brought up that way they've all come from little towns where such games are the custom and they really don't know any better don't be so fierce about it lloyd one of the girls at our table ate with her knife when she first came and took her soup out of the end of her spoon and picked her pie up in her fingers but she's as ladylike in her manners as anybody now she simply hadn't been taught how to eat those girls will change too probably in time 
but this is different persisted lloyd i know whom you mean it was that little prosser girl but for all her bad table manners she was a lady at heart she didn't take part in those games and she wouldn't allow a boy to take such a liberty with her as to kiss her any more than one of us girls would that had been brought up here in the valley i'll always be glad we didn't ask mittie or any of that set to join our club they may be all right but if they don't want to be considered common they oughtn't to do things that make them seem so and that are considered so by the best society the blue blood of an old patrician family proud of its traditions and proud of its generations of gentle breeding was coursing hotly through the little colonel's veins as she spoke mittie could imagine how she looked as she stood there passing judgment her head haughtily lifted a flush on the high-bred little face the mortified eavesdropper could not feel that she had really done anything wrong at the party for as betty had said such games were always played in the country place where she came from even in the presence of grown people and the sport was often rough and boisterous as it is among the peasant class of the older countries but measuring herself by lloyd's exacting standard she somehow felt that she had been found sadly wanting and she angrily resented the verdict of this little patrician who dainty and refined to the very fingertips made her seem less of a lady less worthy of respect than herself the next instant lloyd's scornful tone changed to one of cheerful sweetness as she called bring the buttered plates betty please the fudge is ready to pour out hiding there in the dark closet mittie heard many things during the next half hour which she stored away in her memory for future repetition the secret of the shadow club was won for they discussed it freely regretting that they had accomplished so little that afternoon and discussing the place of the next meeting with the curtains drawn and the red lampshade casting a soft rosy glow over the room it seemed a time for confidences the rain came harder and harder in stormy gusts against the windows but the curtains that shut out the night seemed to shut them in with the warmth and cheer of the cosy room as they drew their chairs around the table rocking comfortably back and forth with the candy passing from hand to hand they felt more closely drawn together themselves than they ever had before and they talked of things they had never mentioned to each other before the fortunes of daisy dale had turned their thoughts toward the far-off future and standing before its closed gate as if it were the portal to some unexplored paradise they questioned each other with eager wondering as to what might lie in store for them on the other side well exclaimed katie at length when i grow up i hope the man who proposes to me will do it just as guy did i think it's so pretty that scene in the cherry lane she quoted softly the cherry lane is all in bridal white my marguerite and when it blooms again i'll come to claim my bride my pearl i wonder if they all talk that way mused kitty of course not said betty with a laugh it wouldn't fit in most cases imagine old mr andrews calling his little black skinny wife his jane maria his pearl i suppose most people do it in as commonplace a way as laurie proposed to amy in little women i'm going to ask papa what he said declared katy then the supper bell rang and mittie heard no more as soon as it was safe to venture from her hiding place she followed them down to the dining-room anxious to get back to the reading of the book the members of the shadow club could hardly conceal their disappointment 
when mrs bond invited them into her parlour after supper to try some new games which she thought would interest them under the circumstances they felt it would be impolite to refuse they whispered to each other that they would slip away early but one thing after another kept them and it was bedtime before they started upstairs oh i'm so dreadfully disappointed wailed katie i won't be able to sleep a wink to-night for wondering how that story is going to end we'll never have such a good chance to finish it again said allison and even if ida should loan us the book we'll not enjoy it as much as if she could read it to us her reading adds so much to it kitty expressed the same opinion and openly envied lloyd and betty who being in the same building might have future opportunities which would be denied them at last ida proposed that they finish the book after the curfew signal and preparations were hastily made as soon as kitty and katie were ready for bed they took possession as before of lloyd's bed lloyd and betty climbed into the one on the other side of the room allison carried blankets and pillows from the next room to the divan where she made herself comfortable and ida putting a heavy woolen bathrobe over her nightdress and stretching out in a steamer chair with a shawl over her began to read there was a golf cape draped over the transom paper was stuffed in the keyholes the outside shutters were tightly closed the blinds drawn and the curtains pinned together over them so that not a single tell-tale ray of light could betray them to the outside world three lamps stood in a row on the table so that they might be burned in turn and no one of them be found with the oil entirely consumed in the morning everywhere in the big building was silence and sleep save in that one room in the west wing there ida's voice went musically on and with eyes wide open and every sense alert the girls lay and listened the rain still poured on and the wind rattled the casements downstairs the clock struck ten eleven twelve but not till the bride bells rang out in the last chapter from the steeple of the little stone church in the english village did they lose interest for a moment in the fortunes of daisy dale the beautiful ending was something for them to dream over for weeks it was sunday morning before ida and the three guests stole to their rooms and crept shivering between the cold sheets end of chapter nine recording by linda fredericks modesto california april two thousand twelve